Today's episode is episode 208, and today's episode is called Human Dignity. So today's episode is about finding your dignity as a human being outside of the value your society and community places on you. So this episode is inspired by the book Lost in Thought, The Hidden Pleasures of an Intellectual Life by Zena Hitz. It's a book that got me thinking about It just got me thinking more about what are the benefits to pursuing an intellectual life for the sake of it. This book expands on this really well. It helped me to put some words to some of the feelings I have around what I do with the podcast and with writing that I found it hard to explain why I like reading why i like going to coffee shops why i like having conversations and why i like writing why i actually enjoy it like there's feelings in that whole experience that keeps me doing it and it's very different to the perception i had of education when i was in school so this book expands in it more I think one of the things I picked up from this book that I could relate back to my own life is that when I'm reading a book or studying something I don't I don't see it as a means to an end if I was studying something like for example I I sometimes take an exam in IT in computer programming And that's a different experience to when I read a book on philosophy or psychology. It's a different experience because with the studying for programming to improve my skill set or to pass, to get a qualification, a certain qualification in it, it's more a means to an end. Even though I might enjoy what I'm learning I might get some satisfaction from that it still has an end to it i.e. the certification or the job or the possibility of of doing different things at your job there's an end goal to it so it's different to reading for the pleasure of reading in itself so a big thing that i picked up on from this book was dignity which i hadn't thought of before human dignity that that's perhaps one of the biggest things i get from the intellectual world so that's the dignity comes from the fact that you're doing something that isn't a requirement from the community or society you're living in. So you're not even acquiring knowledge as a transaction with somebody else. You're not acquiring knowledge to get you something. It's the pursuit of it itself. It talked in this book 
a little bit around a movie called Hedgehog. It's a French movie. I must give it a watch sometime. But the woman in that movie, she had a certain magnetism to her, to the people in the apartment. Even though she was somebody who wasn't attractive, he made a point of, 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 of describing that. She wasn't attractive. She didn't have a high-status job. But she had a certain magnetism to her because of her intellectual life. There was a draw to her. There was a pull to her. And the description of that movie, it was people in the building were well-to-do. They were well-off. And yet they were also drawn to her. And it ties to the, it ties to the reality that even if you've got a low status or high status job in the society you exist in, that you live in, there is, I guess there's a lack of freedom in that because it's dependent on your position in society and there's a lot of pressure on that. But this woman had a magnetism to her because what she was doing helped her to transcend the the reality you live in in a society that can that you can be submerged in you can be suffocated in so what i was getting at was that just the human dignity the sense of having value as a human being outside of your place in society that's what i get from doing the things i do the podcast and with writing and that any human being can get to, but it, it requires a shift in perception and a shift in your thinking. It, it requires waking up to some of the hypnotic trance-like thinking we can get submerged in in society. So there's a number of quotes in this book that were interesting. I'm just going to read a few. I think I'm going to come back to this book again, talk about a different topic, because there's a lot in this book, and I read it at a time where I've been wanting to express what I get from the stuff I do, if it's not something that's being driven towards an end, some sort of end goal here. Because when I think about what I do, when I try to explain it to people who might be curious about what I do, I find it difficult to describe and I was thinking about it today and it's kind of like doing something that you know has no sense to it there's no concrete logic to it yet you also feel that from working on it some sort of sense will come up every now and again to yourself as the creator or the person receiving the work, the person looking at your work, something will come up. And I, I was thinking about it, about it today and it kind of a, an analogy came into my head of if you're out and about and you look up into the sky and you see a cloud and an image appears in the cloud to you, like it's a, it's a, you see a rabbit in the cloud. So in that moment, it's you that are seeing that image. You had to have the idea of what a rabbit looks like in your head before you could actually see the rabbit in the cloud. 
So the rabbit isn't objectively in the cloud, it's based off of your idea of a rabbit. So you see it there for an instant, you don't know whether anybody else sees that because it's particular to how you're seeing the cloud that in that moment. You give it a few minutes, and gradually the cloud will start to disperse and the rabbit's no longer there. That's what I was that's what came into my mind today when I was thinking about what I do and trying to describe it, because what helps me is that I feel like there's no sense to this. But I also get sense from it at the same time. It's a real kind of paradox. Sense in the sense that I understand myself a bit better. Like even today, describing what I get from reading or going to a coffee shop or writing or doing a podcast, expressing myself on here, I couldn't fathom doing that even last year or the year before. I had to go through some experience. Then I had to come across a book that describes something I'm already trying to describe and put words to. So that's the that's that's the the process there that I'm following something that it doesn't I can't concretely give you a, a concrete definition of why this is worth doing. But in doing it, I guess you gain some clarity from doing it. So I will go to some quotes here. The first one is from the German book Goethe. So it is the same with familiar plants as it is with familiar objects. In the end, we cease to think about them at all. But what is seeing without thinking? We think of seeing as a simple contact with reality. But when we see objects repeatedly to the point of familiarity, they become invisible. The use of the mind beyond the eyes alone is required to see them for what they are. So this also ties back to the dignity of a human being. So when you categorize people and you see them often enough and you view them through concepts, it's like that. They become kind of invisible to you. They People in the order complexity become invisible to you. you. You just start interacting with them in the way you think you know them. The same thing with, with objects as well, like Goethe was saying there. I think he was in Italy at the time studying plants. And it's easy to just go through life looking at everything through the eyes of their concepts and labels and not slowing down and paying attention to the, the detail. I noticed that in my life. It's very easy to go into autopilot and do that. It's not a bad thing, like... Like I've mentioned before in other episodes, there has to be a way of grasping reality in a practical way so that you can live day to day. So your brain doesn't have to expend so much energy every moment trying to make sense of everything. But there is a sacrifice to that in that we can overlook the details and the things right in front of our faces. That's that's the challenging thing. And in this book, she goes on to describe differences in activities. She says, there's something about the inwardness and complexity of these activities suggests depth rather than surface. So she, she was talking about people who, yes, they were tackling complex ideas. So she was just talking about people 
in different fields. They could have a natural interest in psychology or natural interest in philosophy or mathematics. She describes some guy who, who dedicated his life to, I think it was studying peregrine birds. He spent 10 years doing that, observing that. And his goal, part of his goal was to describe that uh, without projecting his own human uh, perception onto it, which of course he can't do, but that doesn't stop him from striving. You know, I guess he was trying to look at the, the peregrines as a, he was trying to look at the the entirety of the experience. So there are birds that kill, they can do it in a gory way as well, and yet there's also, there's also beauty to them. It's, it's, it's not showing away from either side of that. I think that was part of what he was doing with, with uh, he was writing a, a book then on that. So Z Zena, Zena, she thinks she's Christian. So there was some references to saints, like Saint Augustine, which I appreciate it because sometimes I can maybe not truly appreciate saints. Because I guess growing up, I always felt like saints were kind of put on a pedestal, immortal. Uh, when you when you haven't read about them or studied them in detail, there's a tendency to put them as these kind of one-dimensional figures that are above the rest of us that we look up to. But we also there's also a distance there that we don't we don't we can't relate to them. They're, they seem non-human. Uh, a lot of the saints, I think, when I was growing up, there's certain aspects of human nature, especially when it comes to sexuality even. I just can't picture it in a saint. That was just uh, that was just what I picked up when I when I grew up. So anyway, I think it's good when you then when you read something where there's a bit more depth and detail to to these people. It humanizes them a little bit more. So she says, for Saint Augustine, our customary life is lived at the surface of things. We seek beautiful or pleasant experiences, or honor in the approval of groups. Intellectual endeavors take us inward to the depths. So that's that's a very good description of things. I notice that in day-to-day -day life, things can stay on the surface. And they stay on the surface more often because I guess we're we're just we're just kind of on autopilot a lot. We're not really engaging our intellect to go deeper into things. Whereas that's what Saint Augustine's pointing out here. Intellectual endeavors take us inward to the depths. So when you're grappling with with big ideas about the world in philosophy or just big ideas in general and you're sincerely engaging with it and trying to figure some stuff out it does force you to go deeper into things it forces you to like, question your perception question your beliefs these are all deep ingrained deeply ingrained things that if you're not inclined to use your intellect like that there is just a tendency to live on the surface and to seek pleasant experiences so to seek pleasure and avoid pain most of our time though i think when we are just living on the surface is spent avoiding painful feelings
that's more a priority than actually moving towards the pleasurable feelings because I've noticed in my life that there's certain pleasures certain pleasurable feelings that are only accessed through going through painful feelings more painful feelings just think about it in terms of as a child you could be conditioned to be a certain way to be accepted by other people and that can end up as an adult then contorting you and contorting your perception to make you very fearful of unknown new experiences as, as an adult so if you're not willing to engage in just the painful beliefs that are stopping you from moving towards the more pleasurable and deeper potentially experiences as an adult then you're not going to to get to those pleasurable things through on the surface level of life you if you're not engaging your intellect at all and going deeper into things as an adult there could be a tendency to be living in a way that is childish as in a child will seek pleasure and pain on a very surface level uh, without as an adult then you can question your conditioning which is painful but will lead you to just relax more have a bit more space for a peace and contentment in your life as you're living it i guess that that'll tie into the self-acceptance piece which the self-acceptance piece isn't something that i worked on as a child so there's so there's going to be parts you had to reject and the intellect then can help you to connect with some of those rejected parts which will when you start doing that it does re require engaging with some of the painful conditioning around those rejected parts but when you start working on that it does lead to a bit more baseline contentment and peace in your life as an adult who's accepting of the fact that life is complex and ambiguous and you're doing your best to be decent human being at the end of the day and there's another quote from Yves Simon French political philosopher he said I do not know I cannot imagine any group which does not include among its current ideas an enormous dose of lies that being the case the alternative is inevitable either one must like falsehood or one must dislike the familiar setting of daily life That's something I, I kind of was getting at with the alienation episode, which is very, it's very tricky that when you start questioning your erroneous beliefs and you realize there's a lot of your erroneous beliefs that are picked up on from society and just being in groups of people, it's unsettling then to, to notice how any group of people, there's a good amount of lies built into the glue that's holding the group together there's a certain amount of lies in there i think in this page she went on to talk about how maybe it's a different page actually but self-isolation can come from this when you're being when you're questioning your own erroneous beliefs and thoughts about the world so when you notice that a group that is a good amount of lies 
intermeshed, intermingled in a certain group's way of thinking. There's two options that I can see you can take. You can take either the option of scapegoating that group, saying that those guys are a bunch of idiots, they, that what they're talking about is a bunch of lies. And it's true to that, because there are lies in there. So you can do that and not look at yourself. So just deflect everything, look outside yourself and cast blame. What that will help you with is to avoid feelings of isolation because I think what will happen is that you will find like-minded people who are also blaming that group or thinking that they are superior in some other way. Then that will give you a sense of belonging somewhere. So you escape the feeling of isolation. The second route, though, is you start noticing that a certain group has a lot of lies built into it, a lot of dogma built into it. And you decide, I don't want to be a part of this. This isn't healthy. This isn't good psychologically for my psychological well-being. This is not a good thing. But you also recognize that you've already been immersed in this world and there's a good deal of lies within you as well. So you also start to look inward. So you're starting to feel out some of your thoughts, ideas, and beliefs about the world. So you're working on that. You're willing to work on that. So because you've taken the inward path also, and you've not looked for a replacement group of people to belong to, where you can project all your stuff onto some other group, there's a certain amount of isolation you're going to have to deal with because it's just you now you've started to see the flawed. You're starting to see like the, a lot of the negatives of belonging to a group that isn't very conscious. So you're going to be kind of left on your own. And you're doing it, it's, it's your own choosing. It's just you're caught between a rock and a hard place because I don't know whether you found this, listening in, but I find it very difficult to conceive of a group of people where lies aren't allowed to spread within that group the best i've managed to do in my life is to have friends who happen to be kind of dispersed so they'll have different interests different people and uh that's kind of what i noticed in my life that because i value knowing someone one-to-one and having conversations with them, talking to them, getting to know them. Uh, when I was younger, I was more inclined to be in like groups, a group of guys. But as I've gotten older and my values have shifted, I've noticed that I kind of operate between groups, I think, at this stage. It's like I've got some good friends in different locations. That's the way it's kind of happened. But that came from, number one, I place more of a value on getting to know someone without these kind of pretenses or these group dynamics. And number two, I was willing to realize that there's a lot of shit within me too, in terms of beliefs, in terms of the way I perceive things. There's so much stuff within me that that's off as well. So instead of focusing all my attention on the outside and giving out about groups and stuff, which I do from time to time do, human nature, I guess, I don't know. But... I put a good portion of time also into questioning my own beliefs and thoughts and it's tricky work. 
that, that probably helps a little bit like to ease off in the judgment of other people when I realize it's tricky work doing it on myself as well a, bit, a little bit more empty than there might be otherwise but they're the main things I wanted to talk about today I just want to talk about human dignity it's, it's, a, it's a I just found it very insightful from reading this I, I never really thought about putting that word to the feelings I get from what I do it, it is a sense of actual restoring some sort of dignity in myself because it's also that just a faith in yourself that you can work things out for yourself that you're not a child you don't have to have dumbed down ideas that people brain you wash you with so it's restoring a bit of self-esteem and dignity in yourself that you can work through things you can find your own moral compass on things and you can interact with people as human beings regardless of where where they're at in life or where they're coming from so yeah i wanted to talk about that today and, and tie it a little bit to uh, the groups of people and where that can become dysfunctional and go wrong and also to help you if you, if you had similar realizations to me and you feel a bit isolated from people i think a large part of what i'm doing here in the recently in the last few episodes is trying to disentangle individual people from the group so that i don't know just working through i guess more some of my own resentment for this kind of unconscious ways of that we can have as, as groups of people and at the same time just being open to people uh, that they're, they're individual people just like me who also want connection want some sort of sense of direction in life so that's what i want to talk about today human dignity hope you got something from this podcast if you want to check out my latest book the edge links below the show notes if you want to read this book i definitely recommend it lost in thought by zena hits i definitely recommend it it's uh because it's helping me to put some words to some things i've been feeling about what i do and why it's of benefit for a person to do what i what i do so that's it thanks again for listening and i will speak to you on the next episode